he was going to give. And I think it scared the, 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 all the kids. They were afraid to answer anything that day. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting to, so I was thinking back in light of what I want to share with you this morning, to uh, that particular Sunday and the anxiety that was expressed and at the same time the hope that was expressed by uh, Linda and Chris and she and and all of those involved in the Bible study. I think uh, Jerry was also in that group that was concerned about it. I did get the report this morning that you all passed. But think about it. You were anxious, but you hoped. Now, what were you hoping for? Uh, I think probably some of you were hoping that Steve would have a senior's moment, forget all about it. <laughs> or some of you were hoping that maybe Steve would get sick and cancel, class would be canceled. Or, you know, you, you had different hopes. You all hoped that you would pass if the test took place. It did, and you did pass. But that hope, I'm going to ask you, what was that hope that you had? Was that hope a certainty that you had that you would pass? Or was that hope wishful thinking? Boy, I sure hope I pass. <laughs> so, you see, what I want to share with you this morning, over the last uh, uh, while, the, the last uh, uh, short while, I've been, I've been thinking more about the hope. I've, I've heard a lot of, of Christians talk about hope. And I want to share with you some of the wonderful things that, that God tells us in his word about the believer's hope. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 3. And we're going to be looking this morning at the first three verses of 1 John chapter 3. But basically, God's word has so much to tell us about our hope as Christians. When believers think about hope, we, we, we often, actually I should say, we often don't think about hope, except at funerals or at crises times in our lives. When you think about it, when you see a, a time that your family, friends, or you're going through a difficult time, you may think about hope. During the time of sorrow at a funeral, you think about hope. And, and really, the word hope is a word that, that is found in the scriptures so often. We need to pay more attention to it. Now, on Friday morning, uh, I was in Home Depot, one of the good stores around. There's a lot of stores I don't like to go into, but I like Home Depot. I like Lowe's. I like Rona. Uh, not as well as I used to like Canadian Tire, but I, Canadian Tire is okay now, you know. But there are those stores, Lee Valley. There are those places that you just like to go to. And I was in Home Depot in London uh, doing a couple of things. They had a couple of things on sale that I use all the time. Milwaukee folding utility knives. And they had packs of 50 Milwaukee blades, which are really good blades for utility knives. So I had two pack plus the blades for about 
$8 less than the blades by themselves cost. So I got two knives because I'm always carving and using those knives as well as the blades. And I was in there and I, <clears throat> my, my wristwatch was telling me I had a phone call. So, so I got my cell phone out and it was uh, actually from my naturopath. And he called to let me know and apologize. He said, Jack, I, I should have called you sooner, but with family and everything. He said, Pat died, that's his wife, on last uh, Saturday night. And he said, I just realized this morning I hadn't called you. We've been friends for over 40 years. And uh, through the years, uh, you know, and he's been my natural path. And, but anyhow, as he called and as we talked for a few minutes uh, uh, together, he told me the visitation and all. And, and when the funeral was, well, I couldn't get everything changed and everything done that I needed to get done to go to the visitation. So I went to the funeral yesterday morning. And one of the how do you say it? One of the greatest funerals I've ever been to, as far as hope is concerned. There was just a peace. There was a joy because of the hope that this family had. And it just radiated in the songs, in the prayers, the testimony of three children. All three children were able to stand up there. and Yeah, they were just like their dad and like... Their dad and I, I was on the phone there at Home Depot crying my eyes out and, you know, uh, because of the emotion of the loss. But at the same time, uh, the joy of the hope, the confidence, the assurance that we have as believers in what's ahead for us. When you come to the Bible, the word hope is used 129 times. Uh, if you go back in the Hebrew and the Greek, 129 times in 121 different verses in the Bible. It's used in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. And besides that, the word hopes, plural, is used once. The word hopeth is used once. The word hoped in a past tense is used 11 times. And the word hoping is used two times. So really... Over 140 times in the Bible, we are confronted with this word hope. And yet, I think that a lot of times as believers, we don't understand it. Especially when we're speaking to and using that word around unbelievers. You talk about hope, what comes to their mind? What does hope mean in the world? What does hope mean for the Christian? Hope touches every area of our life. If you really think about it for a few minutes, the Bible tells us that, that hope affects our physical well-being. If those with, without hope, if you read in Proverbs, what happens okay, to us? It, it affects our, our mental well-being. If you've got hope, there's courage to go ahead and to to, to face the situation or circumstance. If you've got hope, it certainly affects our emotional well-being, doesn't it? We can rejoice. We can express joy. And at the same time, we can express sorrow and grief because of hope. And it affects certainly our spiritual life. It affects every dimension of our lives. 
And yet I find that so many people today, believers included in that, don't understand hope and how vital and essential it is to our walk with the Lord. And so I want to read First John chapter 3 and, and based on this, this uh, uh, verse 3 specifically, but verses 1 through 3, I want to do a number of things with hope this morning and, and we'll keep coming back to First John chapter 3, especially toward the end of the, of the things I want to share with you. But First John chapter 3 says, Behold. Now this word behold again is a word that, that we often uh, uh, just don't think about, but, but it's used and when you come to the word behold, it's a pretty important word in the scriptures. Most of you can think of, of John chapter 1 verse 29. Behold. The Lamb of God. Behold, stop. Take time to consider carefully. Examine, look at. So the first thing that John says here is, in this chapter is, Behold. I want you to settle down, take time, consider these things. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Have you ever thought about God's love? How great God's love is compared to any other kind of love that anybody has. You know, there's, there's four kinds of love. And, and God's love is so different. God's love is unconditional. We can talk about unconditional love. But we don't really know how to practice. We don't know how to love unconditionally. I know you love your kids. You know, and, and you say you love them unconditionally. But I tell you, there are days where your love is conditioned by their actions. <laughs> you know, whether we like to admit it or not. Other family members, other people, your job. You know, I can honestly say I'm one of the most blessed men on earth that I love what God's called me to do. I always have. All right. But I tell you, there's sure been days where I haven't liked it. <laughs> you know. My love is sort of conditioned on, as they say, the ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. <laughs> well, I tell you, if it wasn't for people, there'd be no ministry. But there are times, and I can still remember the day back uh, at Guelph Bible Chapel when I, I made the statement, and they got me in trouble with the elders, because one lady went straight to the elders and, and said to the elders, how could Jack dare say that? Because I said, you know, I love you all because I... I have to, and I'm commanded to, and, and I do love you, but some of you I don't like. <laughs> I didn't know how much trouble I was going to get into with that little statement, but anyhow, uh, that's the truth, you know. But God's love, think of the kind of love God has. It's unconditional. It's a love that, that God had for us even when we were enemies, the Bible tells us. When we were ugly, God loved us in that condition. His love was unconditional. His love, as God sees us for exactly who we are and what we are, yet he loved us. He loved us so much. He said, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Think about it. Think about God's love for you. It's nice to know that God loved the world. 
But I tell you, you've got to understand, God loves you. Personal, individual, unconditional. He loves you so much that what? He's called us his little children, his sons, his daughters. We are called the sons of God. Who would want to be called a doctor if he can be called a son of God? Who would want to be called a king if he could be called a son of God? Or president? Or prime minister? Those titles are nothing compared to knowing that I'm a child of God. And that God calls me his child. Isn't that amazing? But think about it. And then he goes on. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Sad to say, I'm afraid for a lot of Christians, this statement is not true. I think the world knows a lot of, at least professing Christians. But I want to tell you, if you're truly living for Christ, the world doesn't know you. The world does not understand. The world cannot comprehend why you are, what, who you are, why you do, what you do. Because we have been called to be separate from the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're to be different. And the world's going to look at you if you really understand who you are and, and the hope that you have. The world's going to look at you and start scratching their heads. I don't understand. I don't, you know. But I don't see that happening very much today. I don't see the world world recognizing that, that, that there's a difference. And there ought to be. Right? Why? Because of who we belong to. Just like they did not understand and know Jesus. I mean, Jesus did everything right. And yet the world still did not know him. And Jesus told us right up front, think it not strange. The world hates you. It hated me first. The world didn't understand the Lord Jesus. They sure went to him in their time of need, but they did not understand. They didn't know. Really. So he goes on. He says, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, there it is. We're not only his called his children, we're loved by him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Do you really appreciate, do you really value who you are in Christ? You are a son of God right now. You're a son of God. So, he says after that, he says, you are, but he says, this is nothing compared. He says, it doesn't yet appear what we shall be. This is nothing compared to what we have to look forward to. He's building the foundation. Do you really value, do you really appreciate who you are, what you have, 
as a child of God. And I want to tell you, this is nothing. I look at my life and I tell you, I am so blessed. I am so blessed. But it's nothing compared to what we're going to yet experience in the future. It does not yet appear what we shall be in the future. Now think about it. And again, we, we don't have time to, to, to develop everything about the hope. But when you think about the hope that we have, okay, I'm a child of God now. As a child of God, God cares for me. God provides for me. God, God uh, uh, gives grace, strength, mercy, shows his love for me, the blessings that we enjoy. If you're a child of God, you are, of all people, the most blessed of wonder. And yet it's nothing compared to what we have to look forward to as believers. The grace and strength he gives. Okay. The help that I've had for the last three years. Hey, you want to know what I'm looking forward to? This old body's going to be changed. It's corruptible, but it's going to become incorruptible. It's mortal. It's going to become immortal. It's subject to pain and, and disease. And someday, it's going to be a perfect body. And, and so you look at your body. You look at, look at everything. All that we have. But what we have to look forward to. Because of our home. We know, says we know this much, that when he shall appear, the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. None of us have ever seen the Lord Jesus Christ with our physical eyes. We see him through the eye of faith. Sometimes maybe you think you see him through the eye of an artist. And the picture that's painted, but nobody knows what he looked like. Don't look at that picture and say, oh, there's Jesus. No, no. We don't know what Jesus looked like. In fact, sad to say, most of the pictures that, that have been painted of Jesus, are we know they're not what he was like. Because they're a fair-complected, white, uh, Caucasian, uh, uh, you know, North American, normally. Uh, no, no. He was Jewish. He would have the skin tones. He, you know, he would have the beard. He would have everything that basically was characteristic of any other person. Though he was God, he was God incarnate. And he looked exactly like us according to Philippians chapter chapter 2. He, he, you know, as far as physicality is concerned. Yet he was so different. He was so different. But someday... We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, I can tell you one of the things that excites me about that as a boy, and I've never grown up and probably never will. I hope I have another 20 years to try to grow up a little bit. But, but the reality is, what excited me when I began to, to study the scriptures was, wow, someday I'm going to be able to just walk through that wall. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? That probably didn't excite you ladies, but it really excited me as a man. You know, or a boy, maybe I should say. 
But to think about that, you know, recognizable, yet I can conceal my identity to get away with something. No, he didn't do it to get away with anything. But, or I can walk through a closed door, you know. I'm not bound by the limits of flesh and blood. So, I mean, that excites me. So someday, you know, I'm going to be like Jesus in his resurrection because the basis of my hope. Again, if you go through and find the basis of our hope, our hope is in God, found in God's word. Our hope is found in, in the personal work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our hope is found as far as that work is concerned uh, in our salvation and through his resurrection. And the, all kinds of things that the Bible tells us. That's the basis of the hope that we have. And it's based on what is absolute truth. The word of God. Right. It's not something that's true for me and maybe not true for you. God's word is absolute truth. And when God tells me that I have a hope and the basis of that hope is, I know that that's the only way. I can have that hope, the only basis of that hope. So, then he says, and every man, and we'll allow you ladies in on this as well, every person, all right, that has this hope in him, what hope? He's just spoken about it. The hope that when he appears, we're going to be like him, for we're going to see him as he is. Every person that has this hope in him, purifies himself even as he is pure. And so this is the, one of the, the, the results and the responses that we should have in our life because of our hope. We should be different. We should, because someday I'm going to stand before him. Someday I'm going to see him. I'm going to be in his presence. I've got that hope. I ought to live in anticipation of that hope. I purify myself every day. We ought to. How do we purify ourselves? Well, our sin question has been settled, but we purify ourselves by pursuing godliness in our life, by living righteously, by being obedient to his word, through prayer, growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus, and so on. The things that are going to transform us and change us in conforming us to the image of of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this should be our purpose every day and our goal in life. So let me define the believer's hope. We know here that we have uh, one of the descriptions and part of what we know about the believer's hope that we just read. We'll be coming back to 1 John chapter 3 yet. But if I were to define the believer's hope, here's the way I would define it. The believer's hope is not a worldly hope. It's totally different. Worldly hope is hope that has confidence in this life that something may or may not happen. But a hope is, we hope it does. We, we, it's, it's wishful thinking. It, it, it's a desire that we have, but there's no assurance it's going to happen. Luke reminded us that Christmas is coming pretty quick. And and, uh, you know, I thought, uh, well, I wonder, wonder how many of the, the kids here have their wish list. Things they hope for for Christmas. 
Jake, okay. Jake's got his list. <laughs> uh, you, you want to share a couple things on that list? Lego. Lego. Oh, yeah, I can understand that one. That, that's, that's, that's pretty good. And there might be a pretty good chance you'll get that. Okay. Anything else on your hope that, that you're really wishing for, but you really, eh, I doubt that I'll get it? Put him on the spot. I can remember one year I hoped for a motorbike, a motorcycle. I didn't get it. <laughs> and I didn't get it. I knew I wasn't going to get it because no hints of one or, or Jake. I know how they would do this, but most boys, they know where mom and dad hide the gifts before Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> You know which closet it's in, and you sneak in there when they're gone. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get that one. Mm, okay, well, see, when you think about hope, that's the category. That's the way most people think about Wishful thinking, I really would like that. I may, and probably that's a, a reality in my hope because I know mom and dad, and I know you know, they can get me a Lego set, but motorcycle? No, no, probably not, you know. But it's still my hope, all right? Would you believe a couple of years ago, a year ago, a lot of people, at, I shouldn't say a lot of people, several of the, the older people at Exeter Bible Fellowship had motorcycles. She had one. Would you like one of those? <laughs> I should have said yes. <laughs> she probably wouldn't have got it for me, but I could hope, couldn't I? You know, we never get too old to hope in that sense. But again, that's not what our hope is. Paul writes basically, uh, more or less, that, that uh, if our hope is in things, all right, you just well eat, drink, and be merry because you're going to die. And that's not what hope is. Wishful thinking. Hope is not optimism. It's not worldly hope. It's not optimistic hope, you know. So maybe you shouldn't even hope for that Lego set after all, Jay. I mean, that's pretty optimistic. I likely to happen. But probably come from grandma and grandpa, not from mom. <laughs> Anyhow, it's not just optimism. Wow, wouldn't that be great? I hope I get that. And it's not the wishful thinking as we mentioned. It's not just a hope so thing. Hope for the Christian, if I had to define it, basically, it is the confident expectation that the promises of God are true and he will keep them. It's the confident expectation that the promise of God, promises of God are true, and he will keep them. Remember Titus chapter 1 verse 2? We're told that God, who cannot lie, has promised, what? Eternal life. See, God can't lie. Our hope is based on 
the sheer promises of God. And it's not promises that we think God's made. It's promises that God has made and recorded in his word. And they're based upon who he is, his character. God can't lie. God knows the end from the beginning. See, sometimes we as people make promises. And we have every intention of keeping that promise. But we don't know the circumstances. We don't know what's ahead. Does it mean that I lied? No. I had every purpose of doing that. But I'm not God. I can't see and know. I'm not omniscient. I'm not omnipresent. So when I make a, a, a commitment, I can tell you I do everything I can to keep that commitment. But, as you know, and I know, there are things that we do not know. And we cannot control. But God, there is nothing that catches God by surprise. God knows the end of the beginning. God knows the very appointed time that he has for each one of us to be able to be with him. See, God knows. So it's that confident expectation based upon the, the reality that God keeps his word. Titus 1, 2, Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. Hebrews 6, 11 would tell us that our hope is the full assurance that we have based on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a hope of salvation. Now again, you'd say, well, yeah, you're already saved. But salvation, remember, comes in three tenses. A past, present, and future. I was saved when I was five years old. I am being saved every day by God's grace as by his spirit, he's working in my life. The process called sanctification. Justification, sanctification. And I tell you, someday I'm going to be saved. I'm going to be delivered from this life. That's glorification. All right? And that's our hope. It's based on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only one who can save me. The psalmist reminds us, can you save anybody? We can't save anybody. Only the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the perfect, sinless Son of God who came into this world. And what was the purpose for which Jesus came? He came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to be our sacrificial lamb. To bear our sin. In his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness. And so it's his person and his work. How did he do it? He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And if you recognize and understand what he endured to provide our salvation, God the Father turned his back on the Son for those few hours. God the Father loved you so much that he said, the only way it's possible for them to be my child 
and for them to come and be with me is through the, the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. He died, but then what's the guarantee that it's met the demands of a holy God? He was raised from the dead. The resurrection. And so our hope is in the personal work of Christ. Our hope is in the resurrection of Christ. And these are all promises from God. Our definition as believers of hope is superior to that of the world. Instead of wishing or hoping for something to happen, our hope is solid, concrete. It's evidenced by the finished work of Christ on the cross. God said it. That settled it. Period. And so our hope is that confident expectation. We're told in Hebrews 11, 1, where it talks about faith, that it's the assurance of things hoped for. Faith gives us the assurance of what we hope for. So, so it's not wishful thinking. It's assurance. It's confidence. Are you confident? Are you listening? Are you confident that you're either going to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in the air that you guys read and quoted this morning from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? Are you confident if you die before the rapture? That you will be with the Lord? We can be assured of that. We have that confidence. That's our hope. It's not wishful thinking. I talk to people uh, many, many times during the course of a week. And, the, and, and, and in response to a question, uh, if you should die tomorrow, where would you spend eternity? Well, I hope. Now, wait a minute. What's your hope? Is it wishful thinking? Or can you say, I'm, when I die, I'm going to be with the Lord. I'm going to heaven. It's not wishful thinking. It's a confident expectation that we have. And John, through this epistle of 1 John, so many times uses the word know. We can know that we have eternal life. It's not wishful thinking. It's the confidence we have. And yet I find that so many professing Christians even don't have that assurance, that confidence. So really, their hope is a worldly hope, an optimistic hope. But our hope is that confident assurance from the Lord. So, when we read through the scriptures, we find out that, as Paul says, for in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience, because if God is for us, who can be against us? It's a little paraphrase of, of Romans chapter 8, basically, of parts of Romans chapter 8, as I I would go through that. So, for us, it's confidence. A confident expectation. That's how I would define hope. 
But what's the description? How does the Bible describe your hope and my hope? If we have that confident expectation, we have that assurance that God said it and that settled it. That God said it and so that settles it. Well, look at it. First of all, in Titus 2.13, my hope is described as a blessed hope. A blessed hope. Now, when we think about the blessed hope, the spiritual blessings that are promised to us. My hope is founded in peace. Peace with God. Peace from God. My hope is founded in joy. Yeah, there are days where I experience sadness, but the reality is there's joy in knowing the Lord and in serving Him, etc. The believer's hope is described as a living hope or a lively hope in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. My hope is fertile in my life. My hope is, is, is that which is productive. It produces fruit in my life. If I didn't have hope, what would I have? I would have despair. I would just want to give up. You want to throw in the towel. But because there's hope, it's a, a lively thing. It's a living thing. It's that which can produce fruit in my life. Because without hope, what is there? The believer's hope is a comforting hope. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, again, I loved uh, uh, the, the questions uh, this morning from, from that. Oh, I got mixed up in the number of blanks there. And, and, as did Owen and, and uh, Jake a couple of times and gave you the next two or three blanks as well. But but uh, when you look at this and, and go through this, the last words of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I'm glad you got the last word of Colossians. That was good. You know, amen. So be it. Okay, but when we have here, it says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That hope that we have of being with the Lord, reunited with our, our loved ones, that great reunion, you know, that hope is comfort. We find great comfort. It's described for the believer as a, uh, actually I probably mixed up the last words of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 with uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, but, but the idea is in both places, all right? Uh, we have, uh, anyhow, it's, it, it's a comforting hope. The believer's hope also should be for us a motivating hope, a motivating. It should motivate us here in First John chapter 3 to what? Purity of living. It should motivate us to be steadfast, unmovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. It should motivate us to be faithful servants because that hope, part of that hope is one of these days to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's described for us as a hope of glory. One thing, part of that hope of glory is that that we're going to see the glory 
but also that we're going to be part of that glory in the future. It's described in Galatians 5, 5 as, as a hope of righteousness. You know, even though right now you and I stand before God clothed in the righteousness of Christ, he declares us righteous based on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But something wonderful? Someday I'm actually going to be righteous. We've heard Steve's confession this morning that there are times he messes up. Okay? I know that that's hard for you to believe, but I can tell you it's true. Because <laughs> I've been there. I've experienced it. You know, Though I'm declared righteous, there are days, ask me, not much righteousness there. <laughs> okay? She knows. I forever worry about it. Our hope in Ephesians 1.18 is described as a hope of his calling. What has he called us to? Both now and eternally. In 1 Thessalonians 5.8, it's called the hope of our salvation. Right? When it's all going to be completed. Colossians 1.23, it's called a hope of the gospel. The gospel is the message that brought to us that hope. In, Gal- in Colossians chapter 1, verse 5, our hope is described as a hope that is laid up in heaven for us. It's reserved there in heaven. Titus 1, 2, it's described as the hope of eternal life. In John, 1 John 3, 3, it's a purifying hope. Hebrews 6, 19, I love this description. Our hope is called an anchor of the soul. An anchor is what keeps you secure from drifting. And that's what our hope should do. And of course, in 2 Corinthians 1, 7 and other places, our hope is described as steadfast. Those wonderful words that describe our hope as we go through the word of God. So, we know a definition of the hope. We've seen some descriptions that are given to us of our hope. But then there's the declaration of the believer's hope. Every believer, every one of us, should openly declare our hope to a lost and dying world. You remember 1 Peter 3, verse 15? Tells us that we should be ready to give an answer to every person, the reason for our hope. Our hope has to be declared. If we don't tell people what our hope is and how they can have hope, really, what good is that hope in this life if it doesn't reach others with the good news? And then we have the demonstration of that hope. Demonstration of the hope is given to us this way. How do we do it? By fulfilling the Great Commission. We demonstrate to the world our hope. We see them in a hopeless situation. If we're fulfilling the Great Commission, we can tell them there is hope in their situation. We can do fill, uh, uh, demonstrate our hope by the Great Commandment. Jesus said, if they were to love one another, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Right? Demonstrate it. 
through our love that we have for them. Romans 15, 13, we demonstrate it by the joy that we have in our circumstances. Colossians 3.13 tells us that really we our, our hope is demonstrated by our willingness to forgive one another, even as we were forgiven. Our hope is demonstrated by the words that we speak, because we have the words that give hope. Our hope is demonstrated, Philippians chapter 4, by the peace and contentment that we show in this life. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, our hope is demonstrated by seeking those things which are above, not the things that are on this earth. And our hope is demonstrated, as Paul would say in Philippians 3, by pressing toward the goal of the prize of upward calling. And so let me say very quickly, in conclusion, back to 1 John chapter 3. Remember, the heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. So let's take it here and look at it very quickly. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, gives us three wonderful truths about the believer's hope. Are these truths that you embrace? First of all, our dignity. Who, or excuse me, what we are. You are a child of God. You're a child of God. We're a child of God by creation. We're a child of God by adoption. And we're a child of God by birth, new birth, spiritual birth, the birth from above. Our hope, basically, has to do with our destiny. Our destiny. What we will be. There are some things right now that we don't know. We can go through the scriptures and we can know some things about heaven. We can know that heaven's a place. We can know that there's going to be no sorrow there, no tears. We can know certain things of what's not going to be there. But we really know almost more about what's not going to be in heaven than what's going to be in heaven. Because it's beyond imagination. When Paul was caught up into the third heaven, he was given a thorn in the flesh because he couldn't understand it. We certainly cannot understand all that there is before us yet to come. And so we do know this. We know with certainty that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to appear. And we know that when he appears, we're going to see him like he is. And we know that we're going to be instantly changed and we're going to be like him. Thirdly, from this passage, not only we see our dignity, who or what we are, we're a child of God. We see our destiny, what someday, though we can't fully understand it, what we're going to be like. And then we see our duty, what we should be. We should be being changed every day, conformed to his image as we grow in his likeness, the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And we will do this if, First of all, we're looking for his coming. I don't know how any believer can live today and not be looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This world has nothing to offer. We should be looking for his coming. Secondly, we should be longing for his coming. 
I think so often as Christians we've gotten too comfortable. And there's not that longing. You know, we kind of like it here on planet Earth. But there also should be the living until he comes. We need to be living for him. So is this your hope? What is your hope? Only you can answer that question. Our hope is in the Lord. And without him, there is no hope. Do you know him? Do you love him? Are you looking for him? I tell you, we are blessed to have a hope such as this. Let's pray. Father, again, for your word, we give thanks. Your word is living and powerful. Your word is where we've learned and heard about the hope that is ours. And Father, see your word. And we heard the good news, the gospel that gives us hope. We are blessed to know you, and we are privileged to make you known in this world by living our hope. Father, again, we thank you. We're going to tell you we love you, and we look forward to the day that we'll be together with you in glory for eternity. We're blessed, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well. Thanks again for the privilege that you've given me to open God's word and to be with you. And we uh, look forward to next time.